Welcome to the land of Pelexia, a hard land full of hard people. What was once a peaceful place full of good-natured people has devolved into a hateful and mistrustful place, where neighbors shy away from greeting one another instead of lending a helping hand to those in need, where on most street corners you will find a clergyman or priest prophesying the end of times. Yet no one calls these men and women fools. You can feel death in the air. The old sun seems to grow darker and colder year by year. Winter lingers when summer used to roll on. New trees no longer grow and old trees turn to stone where they stand. Nights are harsh under the three moon sisters who reflect the blood red sun on the denizens below. That poisonous light gives rebirth to the dead for a few short hours. Stars fall to earth, no longer granting wishes, but instead seeming to do their best to break apart this sad world. Prey grows poorer and fewer as the predators look for new game to sate their hunger. The farmers struggle to harvest their meager supplies before the bugs and worms destroy their hard work. Pelexia is indeed dying along with its people and creatures. Friends? But what of friends? No one uses such words in today's time. The end is nigh, and the end is where we shall go. How soon will it come to its close? What can prolong this miserable world or bring its swift end? You are the heralds of this coming doom or salvation. So once again I say, welcome to Pelexia. Hey everybody, I'm AJ and I play Quincy, who you'll meet here in just a little bit. I also produced the podcast, so I didn't want to get any further without giving you a little bit of a disclaimer about the audio quality. Here in Session Zero, and in Episode One as well, Audio is a bit inconsistent and just all around not too good, as we were still working out the kinks audio-wise. But I promise if you'll hang around through the first couple sessions, the audio does get much better. So we just wanted to apologize in advance for any inconvenience it may cause you in your listening experience. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Commoners of D&D. I'm your Dungeon Master, Seth. We thought it'd be a good idea to do a session zero in order to introduce the players and their characters and give a bit of background for the story. Each character had a one-on-one -on -one session with me to set the story in motion. We'll begin the introductions with Cameron and his dwarf, Urist. Alright, this is the story of Arist Harnbeam. I was born and raised in Derry, the son of Bromilla Coinbreaker, the daughter of a wealthy banking family in Derry and my father, the Duke of the Barrenheim Forest, Brandon Hornbeam. My father was always very strict growing up. He taught me the nuances of government and how to fight and tactics for war. My mother, on the other hand, was more kind. She taught me how to read. I remember we used to walk town together and she would donate money to beggars. One day, I was invited to my first meeting of the council in order to address an issue with the Inkling, a group of rebels that had been fighting in the area. Apparently, they had a lair of sorts in the glistening thicket. My father and several other members of the council decided to send giants in to attack the glistening thicket. Throughout my childhood, I had learned giantish. I had heard these things speak, and I knew that they enjoyed the killing and the violence. I knew that if they were sent to the glistening thicket, it would be wiped out, even innocent people. I begged my father and the council to change their minds and to not use such extreme measures to address the problem. I was dismissed, and 
I lost my temper. I called my father and everyone else present tyrants and traitors willing to murder innocent people for crimes they did not commit. Most would have been executed for saying such things to the leaders of the region. My father was merciful and he decided instead to exile me. It was a merciful sentence, but I still cannot ever return home. Orest. Yes? You have been in town for not very long, is that correct? Right. Well, <clears throat> you have been having strange dreams as of late. Um, mysterious dreams. And in fact, you're in one now. This, this is a very strange dream. You're walking along a corridor and you open a door and inside there is no walls or ceiling you see nothing, it is just pitch black. You look behind you and the corridor you've just walked down is actually gone. You continue to turn looking for some kind of marker to know where you are, what, what is happening. When all of a sudden, two colors dance into view. One is a pale blue color, very light and shimmery. The other, is of gold, as a molten gold, flowing, but never breaking its, its shape. And it just continues to mold itself into fantastic different designs. These two colors, one almost as if snow and the other of a hard metal, intertwine and break apart, building all kinds of different fantastic designs and symbols that you can't quite understand. And then they stop. They come together, the blue in a perfect circle, still moving but not breaking out of this perfect circle. The gold also enclosing on itself in the same circle but it is flowing inside, moving almost as, as if gold were being melted down. And from these two orbs, you hear a voice. Who are you? My name is Orest. Who Orest. is this? Where am I? I've been watching you for a while, Orest. I have plans for you. But I have questions as well. You are not who you appear to be. Are you, Orest? You are someone of greater importance than the people you're surrounded by now, aren't you? How do you know this? As I've said, I have been watching you. Now answer me true, Orest. Who are you? I'm the son of Duke Hornbeam. Ah, oh, yes, Duke Hornbeam. Why are you here? Why are you not in your large mansion with all of your servants? I've been exiled. You've been exiled. Yes, I know you've been exiled. I've been watching you. But I have to say, I 
see great things ahead for you, but you must retrace your steps. You must go home soon. I can't. I'll be killed. <laughs> well, that might be true, and it might not be, but you will have to head that way soon. I have laid the steps in front of you, and soon you will have great power because of me. Who exactly are you? For now, just call me your benefactor. I have no name other than that for now. We'll meet again. Next, we'll hear from Anthony and his character, a human named Buck. My name is James Buckhart, otherwise known as Buck. I'm the baker of the town of Hollyhead. I enjoy what I do and wake up every morning to greet the day with fresh baked bread, rolls, or whatever else the good people of the town need. Before I get up to start the day, I say my prayers, hope for the best, and work hard so that I can make a decent living. Hello. Hello. James? Buckhart or Buck? What do you wish to be called? Uh, I mean, anyone who's familiar with me knows me as Buck. It's just a simple name. Um, you know, usually if someone calls me James, I know that, you know, they're, they're either trying to collect money or, <laughs> or something. Of I course. don't trust anyone that calls me James. Oh, Buck then. You awoke this morning early, earlier than most. As a baker, you have to get your bread put inside of the ovens so they can rise and you can sell to a few people. It's a small town, so you don't actually have very many people to sell to. About what time do you get up? Uh, I wake up, uh, I mean, a few hours before the sun rises. I mean, uh, as I like to say, the yeast, the dough rises when the sun rises. <laughs> of course. Yeah. As you're going about your daily work, you, you have plans later in the day, you know, but you uh, hear a strange pounding on your door, which is unusual. Hello? Are you open yet? You don't recognize the voice. Um, I have a chain lock on the door, so I'm going to keep the chain. But I, I crack it open and I say, uh, uh, I'm sorry, sir. We, we're not open for a few hours. Uh, the, uh, uh, the bread hasn't even, you know, baked yet. Looking through the, the crack in the door, you see four figures. Uh, three of them are fairly cloaked. Uh, it is a bit cold out as the fall is about to begin turning into winter, so that is not surprising. The figure in front of you, though, is about your height, which you are a tall man. Um, he is much younger than you. Uh, he is a strapping fellow. He, you see a large great axe slung across his back. He has a luscious lock of blonde hair that is just blowing in the wind it seems. You recognize that these members are not from your town and are most likely a sort of adventuring group. Oh come on! 
We've been traveling all night. We need some food. Uh, like I said, I, I, I don't I don't have any. Uh, it needs to bake. You've got to have something from yesterday, perhaps. I'm sorry, but it gets it gets thrown out to the hogs at the end of the day. He tries to push the door open, but you're a fairly strong man, and you already have the lock on. <sighs> Fine, we'll find somewhere else. Good for nothing, Baker. And the four of them go off. God be with you. Lost gods, you mean? They trample off, looking for food from someone else. You go about your business. You have not very many breads to make today, but you do. You have agreed to uh, aid one of your fellow neighbors in building a barn. You, uh, which is strange, not very many people are nice enough to help out, but you find it within your heart to be kinder than others. You know, how can gods be lost? They're gods, you know? Uh, I mean, for all I know, we could be lost. You know, it's not my place to say. After a few hours of slaving away at your bakery, um, getting covered in the different flowers and yeasts, you make your products as wonderful as always. Large rolls, long loaves of bread, you go about the town delivering to who you know will pay and you head off to your neighbor Kyle's. He's got a few people together you're working on a barn. As the day goes, it's about 11 o'clock now, you all begin to work. He's hoping to get this barn up so that he can start storing all the um, various fruits and vegetables that he's going to harvest soon in this barn and you have to get it done pretty quick. So as you're working, you get the, about the first level created and you are uh, surprised by a, a yell behind you. Hey, Baker! Where's our bread? You look down and below you is the four figures again. Three of them still cloaked. The, same blonde-haired man seems to be angry to see that you're not at your bakery baking. Uh, hold on just a minute. I'm going to get this, uh, get this uh, tacked on here, and then we, we can all go down to the bakery, and I'll sell you your fill. We've already found our food, you useless waste of space. Get back to work. What are you doing? As you turn around, actually... It seems that someone else was trying to hand you a board. You get cracked in the head and fall unconscious. And you open your eyes. You're not where you thought you were. You're in a strange mist-veiled cemetery. Well, I, I mean, it's not the first crack in the head that I've taken, but surely it wouldn't be the last. <laughs> Where am I? You see many gravestones around you, and for, more further on. What would you like to do? Uh, I go to the first one I see, and I, I see if there's anything to read on it. 
you can't quite make any names out on this first one. It is weather-beaten and rubbed smooth if there was ever a name on it at all. You continue to walk down, looking. Some of them are bigger, some of them are smaller. Some are covered in moss, some have been just absolutely eroded away. But none of them have names on them. The mist is still very thick, and as you continue to walk, you see the outline of something ahead of you. And from the mist looms this large mausoleum. And as you step forward, two points of light break through the mist, almost as if they were just lit. Two torches flare up on either side of the door, and the door opens. I guess that's an invitation. I'll walk in. You walk up the marble steps and through the door. Inside, there is many different statues sitting around this room. Some are broken down, heads and arms missing and lying in heaps of rubble below. In the very center, though, there is a beautifully carved woman, not in a sexual way, more of a maternal way. She is smiling down, her hand almost reaching towards you. And you hear, my son, you've come at last. Uh, it's uh, nice to make your acquaintance. Tira. Go down on one knee. Tira is my name, child. Do not bow. You have been invited here. Uh, Tira? Tira. I am the goddess of humanity. I do not expect you to know my name. We have been away for so long. Uh, be that as it may, you are a goddess nonetheless. Uh, with a title such as that, I can't imagine that you would uh, wish any harm. Uh, uh, please, pleased to meet you. Fuck, fuck, no. No, I do not wish you harm. I have brought you here because of your devotion. You, you are a great man, and you will be greater still. Well, I, don't, I don't know if I, if I need greatness. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, old, old Buck's got all that he needs, you know. <laughs> that is precisely why you will be great. You do not long for it. You do not hunger for it. It will not corrupt you. But I've been watching you, and I love you, just as you love us, but you do not know our names. Us? There's... I'm speaking for the other gods, though I think that being a human as you are, your devotion should be more to me. Well, that makes sense, if you... 
the goddess of humanity. Uh, 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 so, uh, who 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 am I to, to to such as you that you would call me to this place? You are my vassal, or you soon will be. I eventually want work from you. You live your life praying to us, still believing, though many have closed our temples and forgotten our names. But you, you will be my light, my reminder to the people that I still care for them. I want to bring light back into this dark world, Bok. And through you, I believe I can. Through me, you will. Thank you. That is the case. We will speak again. And all of a sudden, you're thrown backwards and thrown forwards and thrown side to side. As you awaken, someone is shaking you. It is your neighbor, Kyle. Buck, Buck, what's going on? Are you okay? (sighs) Oh, that was a big hit. A bit woozy. I'll say you fell from the second story. Oh, oh, don't, don't worry about me. I'm, I'm quite fine, quite fine. I just look scared. <laughs> I just... Uh, you gave us all a scare. Are you good? Can you work? Uh, 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 yeah, I, I can work. Yeah, I'm okay. We're almost done. You t- Take it easy, though, all right? Uh, yeah. Thanks. That's all I have for you, Anthony. The next player in the hot seat is AJ and his halfling, Quincy. I'm Quincy Potcher III. I live here in Hollyhead and I was raised here by my grandfather. I'm an entertainer of sorts and I recently moved away to pursue my dream of being a stage actor. But I had to move back as my grandfather had fallen ill and I had to take care of him and his farm. Since he passed away last week, I've been very upset. But between working on the farm, helping Mayor Vannevar with his harvest and trying to catch the eye of his daughter, Birgit, and playing music every night at the Tired Dragon, I've been able to keep my mind off things a bit. I'm here, Quincy. I'm here. I'm ready. Quincy, it's been a rough week for you, hasn't it? Yeah, my, my grandfather just passed away. You've been staying busy, though. I'm sure, yeah. Yeah, doing, doing a lot of work for, for the mayor. And also playing at nights at the Tired Dragon. Oh, yeah. Plenty of time for that. Gotta play the fan favorites. How long have you been living here? in Hollyhead? Um, well, most of my life. So I was, I was here, my parents left me on my grandfather's porch one night when I was a baby. I mean, I don't remember it. And I was here till I was 15 or 16, but my grandfather thought I had a knack for acting in some of the local shows. Um, so I moved to a town far, quite a ways from here called um, uh, Galeport. And I acted in, in one play, um, but it was short-lived uh, when I just thought, you know, I had caught my big break. I got a letter from Holyhead that said my grandfather was sick. So I moved home and uh, took care of the farm and took care of him, but uh, he, he just died last week. Yes, that was quite sad. It is. It's very sad. To begin today, you are sound asleep. And you are... Woken abruptly by a pounding on your door. Uh, who, who is it? 
It's me, Vanivar. Get out here. We oh. have work to do, boy. Uh, yes, yes, sir. Okay, I'll go out. Get you dressed. And, yeah. yeah, it'll be a minute. You see the tall half-elf man that is something of a mayor here in Hollyhead. He owns one of the largest farms, and uh, he often requires a few people to help him with harvest. So he has asked you to uh, help in this last few days of work, knowing, trying to get your mind off of the pain you must feel. As the two of you walk, it's a, quite a distance to his farm. He kind of he reaches down and pats you on the shoulder. So how are you, boy? Oh, you know, it's touch and go. It's nice that I'm staying busy, though. Old Quincy was a good man. Yeah, he was. Everybody regarded him pretty highly in town. Well, that's true, but I was meaning he raised a good boy, so... Oh, well, thank you. That is the true marks of a good man. Yeah, I suppose so. We're going to be picking the last of the corn today. I hope you can, you don't mind helping out. Oh, no, no trouble at all. Okay, you'll get your pay. He points you off in the direction of where he wants you to begin. Okay. I have a few other lads to go and get. Okay. He walks off. And you're left alone for a while as the sun comes completely overhead. You hear the whistling. It's pretty familiar to you now. She always comes around lunchtime with um, a few pieces of bread and some cool water. Hello, it's our local celebrity, Burgett. Yeah, but Burgett, it's very good to see you today. How are you, Quincy? Oh, I've, I've been better, but I'm not complaining. Would you like a drink of water? Uh, yes, please. And some lunch? Uh, yeah, what have you got today? Oh, just a little bread and honey, I'm sorry. Oh no, that sounds great. Hmm. She hands over some food. She sits down with you. You're the last one I found today. You don't mind a little company, do you? Oh, no, certainly not. Have you heard the new gossip in town? Uh, no, not, not anything today. There's some adventurers here. Oh, really? From where? I, I don't know, they haven't said. They've just been buying a few things here and there, I think. You think they'll be at the, at the Dragon tonight to hear me play? I mean, most likely. <sighs> she kind of looks off listfully. I wish I could go with them. With who? The adventurers. Oh, you get, would like to go away? Get out of this small town. Yes. There's nothing for me here. Sure there is. You, you're an influential person with your, <laughs> your father being... You yes, know, my father is influential. Statue. I'm just his daughter and the barmaid of the Tide Dragon. But everyone knows who you are. All 300 of us, woo-hoo. Yeah, well, they probably all know you. They don't always know me. Everyone knows you, Quincy. Well, most, but... You play at the Tide Dragon, of course everyone knows you. Except for the ones that don't. They don't uh, approve of my music or of the Tired Dragon. Most around here approve of the Tired Dragon. Well, I suppose. Only place to get a hard drink after a long day, a week. Well, you can't be going away. I wish I could. But then I guess I couldn't leave you behind now, could I, sweetheart? Oh, well, I'd rather you didn't. <laughs> 
She leans down, her vibrant red hair kind of brushes over your face as she kisses you on the cheek. Oh. <laughs> Take care of yourself, Quincy. Oh well, you too. You continue to work through the day. Unfortunately, you never see your friend Burgett again. And you get a little bit of money, five gold pieces for your hard work. For one day's worth of work? It's the end of the week, actually. You've you've helped with picking squash and did we, uh, did we turnips. Start with any money? Was it in the background uh, thing? If it was not in your background, you don't have I any. I don't think it was. Okay, well, I'm just going to say I have five gold pieces. Wow, I'm rich. Four gold pieces. And you head off to work at the Tired Dragon. Okay. And that's where me and you will cut it off. Last but not least, we have Tyrell and his elf, Thryn. My name is Thryn Lothril. I was born in the town of Stonespire, located deep within the Dying Lands, where I lived until I was around five years old. My parents and I fled from the city during a forced evacuation by Duke Jike. From there, we made our way to Hollyhead, where my family left me in the care of my ward, Solaris. My mother and father have never returned, and I remained in Hollyhead under the care of Master Solaris, who has been teaching me the ways in both sword and spell. Being an elf and living with an elf, <laughs> your days begin rather early. You do not need as much sleep, if you even call your trance-like dream sleep, as most other beings. So your day begins at 4 a.m. Every day, the exact same. You wake up and you have to get to your chores. You begin by going and talking to your master, who is who? Solaris. Solaris. I think today you can begin by going and getting some water from the well in town. We'll have other work to do when you get back. I have a, a few notes I need to write down. All right, we'll do, and then walk out the door. It's a, it's a walk. It's a good walk. And you know that getting water means multiple trips because he likes to have fresh uh, bathing water, fresh water for cooking, fresh water for drinking. So you have to fill the barrel every day. And that's a good hour's work of lugging two buckets back and forth. Pretty heavy. But you assume this is some sort of training. You do it every day. You assume that before you were able to do it, he was doing it. You come back in after you have finally done all of your water-moving chores. Yes, okay. Um, would you take the swords and clean them? We will be using them later. Sure. This is a surprise, though. Not very often has he asked you to clean his swords. You've been asking him for a while now to train you in sword work. And you've been known to sneak them out of their locked ca case and practice a bit with them. After you've meticulously oiled and sharpened them and rubbed them down, he walks into the room, wiping a bit of ink off of his hands. Now then, you give me that one, you take that one over there, let's go outside. Just as the sun is rising, the two of you pair off, face to face. 
Do you have your character sheet? He quickly makes a jab at you. Does a 20 hit? Not natural. He flicks you a bit on the shoulder. Not doing any damage, he just pops you with the flat of his blade. You must be quicker. You must be quicker if you wish to learn the art of sword play. Now go on, try to hit me. Um, that's a six. With a flourish, as you try to stab back at him, he whips his sword around and sends yours flying to the side as he, with a loud cling, and he tries to attack you again. Does an 18 hit. That does hit. Okay. Once again, on the other shoulder, he taps you smartly. This one kind of hurts. Hmm. Once more. Quick, quick. time he doesn't even use his sword he simply leans back a bit as your sword flies wildly towards his face coming within an inch but nowhere near it at the same time he knows exactly where you're going to attack it seems and knows exactly how to get out of your way he attacks once more this time he only rolls uh, uh, 14 does that hit a 14 does hit yes. oh this time he once again taps you on the thigh Makes another quick attack. That's when it was an, a six, actually. Is that it? Uh, that missed. Finally, you're able to bring your blade, seeing where he's going, thinking he might go for the other hip. You fling your sword in front of his. With a loud clang, you send it flying. And he kind of jars back a little bit, if you'd like to take advantage of it. Uh, that's a 12. What was your last one? Hey, yeah, 12 does hit him. He's not wearing any armor. You actually bring a little bit of blood as you quickly stab towards his shoulder. Looks down. <laughs> very good, very good. He attacks you again. That is another 18. That hits. This time he whacks you in the head. <laughs> you don't know if he was a little angry that you got him or proud or just putting it into this. But he, you, you kind of fall back and land on your rump. He didn't cut you, but once again, smacked you with the flat of his blade. You have a bit of a ringing headache. Hmm. I have a few books I think you should read. It should help. Also, uh, you've been working on your spells. Yeah, a little bit, yeah. Okay, good. Um, go copy your spells into another book. Um, be meticulous this time. Make sure you know what you're doing, and uh, I'll go find that book for you. The rest of your day is spent just copying your spells down over and over. This is something that he has you do quite often. He wants you to make sure you understand them fully and be able to cast them in a completely um, understanding sort of way. What spells has he taught you? Um, green Flame Blade. Uh, These are your cantrips? Yes. Minor Illusion. And... Dancing Lights and Firebolt. He has... He has, After you've wrote them down, uh, 
a few dozen times. He uh, asks that you perform them. He gives you a small dagger and asks that you show off your proficiency with your green flame blades cantrip. And then he asks you to put certain points of light around the room. He is a bit pleased with a few of your spells. He tells you you should aim a little bit better with your firebolt. But, yes, you, you are improving. Hmm. How old are you now, Thren? Forty-seven. <laughs> Yes, quite young by our standards, aren't you? I sometimes forget that. Well, he looks out the window in the sun, it looks like it's about to start going down. Time has absolutely flown. Yes, yes, go on. Go be with your friends. I'll go out I guess. All right. That's all we have. Yep, bring everyone in. As everyone gets back to being situated, we're about to conclude our session zero. Does anyone have any more questions they want answered? Um, I do, but it's in that like secret bit. We will talk uh, later. I forgot about that. Sorry. Does anyone have any questions that need to be addressed in game or uh, in? in so what what he's talking about doesn't need to be known by listeners. Right. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> so just just recapping so. our characters, uh, uh, what we yeah. were establishing uh, outside uh, betwixt ourselves. Uh, Buck and Quincy have grown up together. Yep. Uh, so he he's he's kind of my you know my best mate. You know, I care for him. He's he's a he's a little guy, you know. Yeah, <clears throat> uh, yeah he, he's my bodyguard. <laughs> when I play shows, he always sits up front just in case someone tackles me on stage. And I'm the first one to bounce. cheer him. I mean, right. there's that. Um, Thrin is uh, he's standoffish. I mean, I, I don't I don't judge him. I don't judge Thrin or anything for being standoffish, but he's he's just a little he he's a little different. So he's a different him, sort. I give him space. I give him his space. And uh, Urist. Urist. New in town. I, I have real difficulties with that name. Just it's it's hard for me to enunciate. So Urist. Uh, I get that a lot. He seems like seems like you know good jolly sort. Okay. The three of you have known each other for a, quite a while. Uh, Urist is new in town, but um, you all find it in your t in your schedules to meet up on multiple nights a week to have dinner and a few drinks at the Tired Dragon. In this small community, this is about the most fun you can have. What's the legal drinking age? <laughs> How old are you? I'm 19. That's about uh, 18. Okay. It's Loose laws. Yes. That's how it is in like a lot of Europe. I Usually, yeah, if, it's, it you, if you can stand up, you can. Yeah, I think I think drink. in Europe it's like fourteen. <laughs> the black cloaks here in town are not too worried about um, that kind of law keeping. In fact, the black cloaks that you ha you know uh, that keeps the peace here are not very. They are really just to make sure no one kills each other. Um, did you did you mention that in anybody's? Nope. Okay. So they're, just they're a reminder just the to you guys. Law enforcement. The, the local law enforcement is brought in from the king, 
and um, they are known as the Black Cloaks in an official intent, but more known around uh, the population, they are the Silent Brothers because they never speak. You guys, to recap, are living in the Bernheim Forest, which is one third, <coughs> is one third of uh, the land of Palexia. And your ruler, your duke, is Duke Hornbeam, a stalwart dwarven man who is, mm, he lives by his own rules. And he expects others to follow them. Duke Hornbeam. Have we met him? No. He, unless you've been to um, the capital here in the Bernheim Forest of Derry. So he doesn't like pass through or anything? No. He, he maintains he maintains Derry mostly. He send he can send some more black cloaks if he needs. Uh, he has been known to supposedly, as rumor goes, send three large giants to take care of anyone who might get on his own nerves that's not strictly against the nation. Well, are we good? I'm good if you are all good. Thanks for tuning into our Session Zero. Flip over to Session One to dive straight into the story.